Good morning. This is Community Pulse, KOPN's grassroots report on the coronavirus outbreak in mid-Missouri, where we provide local updates and public health information regarding the unfolding pandemic from a unique community perspective. You can catch Community Pulse live every weekday morning at 9 a.m. here on KOPN. And if you happen to miss an episode, you can find it later in the day online at KOPN.org and on our Facebook page. It is Wednesday, April 15th, the day federal taxes for many of us are usually due, but this deadline, like many things this year, has been pushed back, that deadline now being July 15th. As social distancing practices continue, and many remain cooped up at home, perhaps reading more news and social media than is good for us, I've seen a lot of questions and discussion about what people can do to stay healthy and well with regards to viral illnesses. And this is today's topic for Community Pulse. Joining me to discuss this and more is Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician, and our guest this morning is Chris Link, MD, integrative medicine specialist down in Jefferson City. Good morning, Elizabeth and Chris. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today to discuss this important topic. A whole new day, so I want to get through the numbers pretty quickly. Uh, We passed 2 million um, documented cases in the world uh, through the night last night. 128,000 deaths worldwide, 492,000 recovered people. In the United States, uh, 614,000 cases with 26,000 deaths, uh, 2,000 recovered. Uh, Missouri has 4,789 cases with 153 deaths. Boone County, 87 cases, one death. And the uh, one reported case that um, I was concerned about from an elder care facility, apparently they've tested everybody in the facility, staff and residents, and they don't have no new, have any more new cases, which is a relief. Um, we'll see if that continues. Um, and then because Chris is joining us and I'm realizing, whoa, we're not including Cole County, they have um, 36 cases and one death. Um, <clears throat> our ICU and ventilator capacity still remains um, with some flexibility, 33% of ICU beds and 60% of ventilators are available. Uh, so we have, you know, our our hospital system is working. The people there are working hard. It's not that it isn't stressed, but it has not become uh, overwhelmed capacity. So, um, moving right along, Chris, let's talk about ways to stay well and ways to get back well in case you get a viral illness. Uh, good morning, Elizabeth. Yeah. I, there, are, there are lots of things we can do, and I think that one of the first things possibly to start with is just to congratulate the folks of Missouri, um, in Missouri, on uh, social distancing and the power that's had. And when we think about really containing this virus, kind of taking the, the air out of its um, uh, infectivity is really the social distancing, and that's why our hospitals aren't overwhelmed like they are in New York. You know, in New York was. Um, a particularly vulnerable place because of the density of people, because of the subway system, because of the international travelers there. And their system is still, you know, well over, you know, they're at least capacity. And they're, they've been at that for a while now. And they're certainly plateauing and doing better there. Um, uh, but they're still working really hard. And here in mid-Missouri, we're not, thankfully, overwhelmed by this in the healthcare system. It certainly affected people's lives. And and even some deaths, but uh, because of the social distancing we're doing, um, we're seeing many less cases, and and we're not seeing um, an overstress of our healthcare system. And it's really something we we need to continue because it's the most powerful tool we have. 
Yeah, until we can get some more tools. So but let's talk about um, the way we live and the choices that individuals are making that might help them. And again, we don't know exactly what's going to work for this particular coronavirus because it is new to humans. But we have experience with other viruses, other coronaviruses and related viruses like um, influenza that help us um, guide what we would do uh, to stay well and then to get well again if we get sick. So let's get started with that. Sure. So, you know, I, as an integrated physician, and, and you, you're in this realm too, Elizabeth, is that really taking care of the the person, right, the soil, making sure that they're they're rich and resilient in regard to their their overall health. And with that, an individual can be more um, can be uh, more resilient in the face of infection, and actually uh, possibly even avoid infections by having um, you know kind of taking care of the basics. Mm-hmm. In an integrating practice, we always start with the basics and the basics of great nutrition, and we can get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, stress stress management, right, um, right. And, and why that's important in so many ways. But clearly we know that stress, uh, too much adrenaline, too much um, anxiety diminishes our immune capacity in the face of an infection. We think about the right sort of sleep, you know, that seven or eight hours to sleep most nights. And I'm thankful I got seven hours last night. There's been a few nights lately I haven't got that, but I, I got good night sleep last night. And um and then modest exercise, not over-exercising and modest exercise. Uh, all of those things come together to, to help us be more resilient, to reduce our risk of infection and decrease uh, the likelihood that we're going to go on to a severe, severe infection. So I guess we could break those down one by one if you like. Yeah, let's do that. Um, let's start with nutrition. So this is a great topic and one that, you know, one that clearly makes a difference in overall health. And when I think about nutrition, I always think these days about just really keeping it simple. You know, it's not that we need to be perfect with our nutrition. If we can generally eat more whole foods, more colorful foods, more real foods, vegetables and berries and nuts and healthy meats and fish and legumes, real wholesome foods. Those foods make all sorts of differences in regards to uh, supplying energy and supplying all of these micronutrients and polyphenols and these wonderful plant compounds that really augment our nutritional status, but also uh, decrease our inflammatory response in our body. And we know as part of uh, many conditions like heart disease and so forth, inflammation is a big factor but also in the over-response, this cytokine storm that can happen uh, in, in COVID or the response, our human immune response that can be overreactive, this cytokine storm, that can be diminished by this diet that's, that's nutrient-dense, colorful, anti-inflammatory, mostly whole foods. So eat more of those and eat less of the processed and packaged foods because those are more inflammatory, you know, too much sugar, too much salt. Uh, too many preservatives, too much processed uh, grains that just raise our sugar and levels and so forth in our body. So if we can have that sort of pattern where we keep it simple, eat more of the good foods, eat less of the, the inflammatory foods, we're going to be healthier in general for major conditions like heart disease and diabetes, but also it'll make our immune system um more resilient and less likely to over-respond. I really like, and I really like adding fish too because of the omega-3s that are in fish and how those help um, help manage our immune system as well. 
So, yeah, diet's important. Right. So these are the things that you have been so kind to talk to our listeners on um, KOPN's Your Health Matters on Wednesday nights, and you've helped me recognize a few things that I wasn't thinking clearly, like vegetables is a different category than fruits, and we want you to really increase your vegetables, and that fruits should be primarily those fruits that are colored all the way through, primarily the berries. And then you reminded me that whole grain flour isn't really whole. You know, once you grind it up into a, um, a flour, then it's just way more um, calorie available, and it's sugar by the time you swallow it. So, um, you know, as people are facing shortages and things like flour and sugar, um, I would encourage people to um, move to the greens and uh, satisfy your hunger with some with a full plate of vegetables. Um, especially, you know, like we Tim and I talked yesterday, if you can. Uh, if you're privileged enough that you can buy them from a local farmer, that's a great thing too. So that's our nutrition. So talk. Let's talk a little bit about um, stress management and be notice that we're not saying stress reduction because we really don't have any control over the external factors. It's the it's our response to them. Yes, you know I have to admit that that. Um, this is a challenge for um, not only the patients and the community members, but it's certainly a, a, a challenge for physicians as well. So although we know these things, you know, it's on a daily basis trying to implement those. And, and stress reduction um, begins with getting good sleep and getting some exercise, um, not overdosing on news. Um, you know, I think it's certainly reasonable to spend some time reading or, or, or using a reliable news source to kind of let you know what's going on in your community in regards to COVID or other things, but this is not a time to overdose on news. Um, I really like I really like meditation, and that's or simply just slow abdominal breathing. You know, that's what I did this morning um, after I got up and did some stretching and started my day. Um, about 10 minutes of, of slow abdominal breathing where you breathe in slowly to the count of five and you breathe out slowly to the count of five. And then pause just a little bit and repeat. Try to keep your mind on your breath. Feel it going in through your nose and fill up your chest and your, your abdomen and feel it go out. Really get a rhythm there where your mind's mostly on your breath, even if it wanders to bring it back. And that does wonderful things to kind of uh, allow us to be still, allow us to dissipate some of the, some of the stress hormones. The meditation or the breathing techniques, we can call it, simply that, is known to really turn on the, the, the relaxation response. I've uh, studied it in major universities like Harvard and Dr. Benson. And this relaxation response, again, helps kind of till our soil, our own terrain, our own soil, so that we're more resilient, less reactive, have lower levels of cortisol, lower levels of epinephrine uh, that we don't need. helps with blood pressure, helps with our immune response. And, you know, it just really feels good to be still for a few minutes. And I think that sort of thing once or twice a day. Now, it can be, you know, it can, you can use an app like Headspace or the app Calm, some sort of way to just really turn on the vagus nerve, the vagal nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system that helps us in the rest and digest and to repair and to be ready and responsive without being over-responsive. So, yeah, I love stress reduction. Yeah, and, and it's got to be something we really practice, huh, Elizabeth? Yeah, many of my patients are telling me I can't meditate, I can't do that because my mind wanders. I love that. And, and 
and it's been, you know, there's a, there's a book by, oh, I'm trying to think her name. Um, I can't think of her name right now. It's a, she's a famous um, teacher of, of meditation. And, um, and she talks about how the, really the exercise of meditation is just bringing the mind back to, to the focus you have. And if the focus is your breath, know that you're going to do it a thousand times in those 10 minutes. Don't get frustrated. Know that that's the exercise. Just like if we were going to try to get our biceps stronger, if we wanted to, you know, a young man that wants big biceps, well, he's going to have to bring that, that weight up and down several times to build the biceps. So the exercise of strengthening the biceps is bringing the weight up, and the exercise of meditation is bringing the mind back to the focus point you want without, without a lot of uh, frustration or judgment there. And, and once I realized that, it became really easy beca- because that's what happens. Some days my mind is all over the place, uh, and it take, you know I'm always bringing it back. And other days I can focus a little bit easier, but that's the exercise. And doing it most days is what really um, built that foundation of stress resilience. Right. It's the attempt that is uh, that is um, that has the effect, and. Um, it's sort of the anal- to stretch the analogy. It'd be like if what you were doing was weightlifting, and you said, "I can't do weightlifting because gravity keeps pulling the weight down." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. And that's the natural force. It's the natural capacity of the brain to really wander, right. and it's and it's the exercise of bringing it back. Yeah, so very Chris, good. What, a, what about folks who say, "I I can't sleep. I you know I've been an insomniac most of my life, and now with the way things are, I'm having more and more trouble." Um, now you're telling me that. <clears throat> not getting enough sleep means that I'm more likely to get COVID and to die from it. <clears throat> That's not helping me sleep. What do I do about that? Well, and just like I said before, then this is this is part of the human condition uh, for some people, whether they're patients or community members or physicians, and um, and it is uh, it is a challenge for some folks and. Um, I think you, I think putting an effort into making sure that your 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 sleep time is protected, that you give yourself enough time to sleep, that you do a little preparation before it's time to go to sleep, turn the lights down, start to relax, maybe take an Epsom salt bath or do a sauna if you have that opportunity. Uh, to really kind of start to have a ritual where you kind of wind down. Make sure that you don't eat too many hours, uh, several hours before bed, because our body's better off to have done most of the digestion before we get into bed. So we're not interrupted by that process or any reflux or anything like that. Um, that your room is dark and it's quiet and and it's cool. I think that the the room temperature is really good between 63 and 65. If you can if you can manage that, that when the body sleeps better, the human body seems to sleep better. So you set those things up, and then you also um, have strategies for when you when you're not able to sleep. A little bit of melatonin can help somebody go back to sleep. Um, I like CBD. CBD can help some people sleep better through the night. The meditation practice that we talked about, Elizabeth, has been shown in an eight-week period to significantly help chronic insomnia. If you um, meditate this abdominal breathing for 10 to 20 minutes most days for an eight-week period, it's been shown to be one of the most effective ways to restore normal sleep. 
to have a consistent sleep pattern, you know, going to bed about the same time, getting up, making sure you get sunlight. I had the nice walk this morning at about 7 a.m., and uh, the sun was coming up, and that was a great way to start my day to get that good bright light early on to set my circadian rhythms. Um, the, and then, you know, if it's, if it's not managed with those sorts of things, then it's time to talk to your physician about other things you can do, and possibly sleep studies and so forth, to make sure that sleep apnea is not a part of it. Um, yeah, well, important. We're, in, we're uh, moving. I want to keep us moving along, and I know that you had a list of some supplements or nutraceuticals that we wanted to talk about. People are asking about various things, and I, I'm wondering what your top <clears throat> supplements are for staying healthy. So, um, thanks, Elizabeth. My my top supplements come in food. So, if you can really eat that colorful, nutrient dense diet with uh, those colorful vegetables and mushrooms and berries and spices and garlic and rosemary. These sorts of things are powerful. But on top of that, it is really clear and there is good science behind vitamin D at about 2,000 IU daily. Vitamin D at about 2,000 IU daily has been shown to decrease respiratory tract viral infections. Um, Good data behind that. So I like vitamin D. I think it's something we certainly should be taking now uh, through this um, and, some, and so I think that's really good. There is also solid data behind vitamin C. Vitamin C at 1,500 milligrams a day. So that would be about a 500 milligram capsule three times a day. You want to spread it out. And it's been shown to decrease the likelihood of viral infections. Now, if a person gets a viral infection, you can increase the vitamin C to more like five to six grams daily. That will cause a little bit of loose stools in many people, but it all, the vitamin C has a, the capacity to charge the immune system and give it more firepower in its ability to fight infection. So vitamin D for sure, vitamin C, and zinc. Zinc is the third one at about 20 milligrams to 30 milligrams daily. Zinc supports the immune system in a very big way, and it and it affects the ability of the COVID virus, we believe, to, to actually get into our cells. So zinc is, um, is very helpful during this as well. Probiotics. So either fermented foods, sauerkraut, kimchi, other fermented foods, or a probiotic daily because that modulates the immune response. Modulates. So you get a good, sufficient immune response without an overreactive cytokine, unnecessary um, um, immune response that could be deleterious to the person. Right. Uh, quercetin. Quercetin is a is a is a polyphenol that comes from onions and, for example, onion skins and from uh, other and apple skins. And quercetin is antiviral, and it also uh, is helpful in regards to the inflammatory response, and that's about 1,000 milligrams twice daily. And last, uh, um, medicinal mushrooms. If a person feels like they have significant risk and they're already doing the vitamin D and the vitamin C and the zinc and the probiotic and possibly the quercetin, that's Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N, you might consider some medicinal mushrooms. Stamets, S-T-A-M-E-T-Z is a company that makes great mushrooms. Um, and, uh, but you can also, you know, you can also get the mushrooms in your diet if you're eating the Asian mushrooms, not the American 
uh, button mushrooms, but the Asian, the maitake, and the shiitake. Uh, and we're certainly making sure that, that our diet is full of these things now. Um, you know, I had mushrooms twice over the weekend and plenty of spices on my fish last night. Um, so these are the kind of things that make a difference. Omega-3s make a difference as well because they modulate the immune response and they're overall healthy in regards to heart disease, um, triglycerides, and those sorts of things. And you can get those in good cold water fish like salmon or sardines that you can have frequently, or you can take a good quality omega-3 supplement on a daily basis. Many of these supplements can be good throughout your life, the D, you know, for sure, and the probiotic. These other ones are more specific to, to augmenting our viral defense. Well, Chris Link, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to spend some time with us uh, short notice. Um, I am uh, hoping that tomorrow Jenny Chadwick will uh, be back to talk to us about policy. Um, I know that she's uh, responding, at least on social media, about uh, the Trump uh, administration's uh, decision to withhold funding from the World Health Organization um, and uh, I'm sure that uh, that'll be a dynamic conversation. But thank you so much, Chris, for joining us, and thanks, Tim, for um, engineering uh, this uh, once again. Of thank course. you, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Take care. All right. Be well. You too. All right. Be well. That's it for today's edition of Community Pulse, your local grassroots report on the coronavirus outbreak here in mid-Missouri. Once again, our guest today was Chris Link, MD, integrative medicine specialist over in Jefferson City, and Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters, which airs tonight at 6 p.m. and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Following Your Health Matters this evening on Farm and Fiddle, guest Jake Davis of Family Farm Action will talk about the resilience of the local food system at a time of crisis when the giants have had to shut down production. That's tonight on Farm and Fiddle, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you so much for listening once again. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Elizabeth Alleman and the crew here at Community Pulse, you can leave those as a message at 573-874-1139, or you can email those questions to gm at kopn.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you tomorrow.